I'm Alex Ewell, and welcome to The Readback. Among tech companies, IBM has accomplished an unusual feat. Its stock has actually lost ground, a lot of it. IBM shares have lost a third of their value over the last five years, in fact. Over that same time period, Apple's stock has nearly tripled, and the broad market is up 55%. The days of IBM dominating tech are long gone. That made its announcement last week that it was spending $34 billion to buy software firm Red Hat rather notable. Software maker Red Hat Inc. is being snapped up by IBM. Its biggest deal in its history, which is over 100 years old. Chairman and CEO Ginny Romney said the acquisition of Red Hat is a game changer. And this is to create the number one company that will be the number one hybrid cloud provider. This week we're joined by Barron's tech reporter, Tay Kim, who has been covering IBM's attempted reboot. Welcome, Tay. Glad to be here. Tay, can you take us through the evolution of IBM a little bit over the decades? So IBM was mainly a PC company going through the 70s and 80s, and they kind of shifted to the services business where they help companies run their businesses with internal applications. So you and I don't really buy much from IBM anymore. No, they're not really a consumer-facing technology company anymore. I do see a lot of commercials from them, though. I am a technological breakthrough. This morning, I read over 4,000 articles on leukemia. So they're really playing up their kind of innovative Watson artificial intelligence technology. Hello, my name is Watson. Together, we can outthink the limits of what's possible. Welcome to the call. Which supposedly can figure out what you want before you even want it. This is Jeopardy! The IBM Challenge. They did very well in Jeopardy with the Watson AI computer. Crushed the competition. Yes. Watson, who is Franz Liszt? You are right. What is violin? Good. Who is the church lady? Yes. But if you actually look at the reality of the Watson products and services, we'll see that in August, uh, the Wall Street Journal reported that more than a dozen healthcare uh, Watson products were either dialed down or shut down because the artificial intelligence weren't effective and even inaccurate at times. Lots of hype, but really not executing on the vision. I think most industry analysts say that Watson AI technology hasn't really come through on its promise, so it's kind of overhyped and overmarketed. Speaking of overhyped and overmarketed, let's get to the Red Hat deal that was announced last week. The press release announcing the deal that went out was pretty unusual, and I'm not quite sure I've ever seen a headline like the one they used. IBM to acquire Red Hat, completely changing the cloud landscape and becoming the world's number one hybrid cloud provider. And I'm looking at my notes, and I copied and pasted it in from the press release. They used all caps. In your story, you point out that they used the word cloud 43 times. That's out of 1,200 words. Three and a half percent of the words in the entire press release were cloud. So why are they so desperate now to talk about the cloud? Because they kind of lost the whole cloud computing market. If you look at the market share data that we have from Gartner and IDC, it ranges from two to six percent of the market, while Amazon uh, is the leader at 46 percent to over 50 percent of the market. So they kind of lost this whole secular computing shift over the last five years, and now they're kind of trying to grasp at straws, I think. So IBM is still sending all these consultants and salespeople out to corporate locations where they have physical hardware on site, right? And yet companies aren't really building the hardware on site anymore. 
yeah, that, that's the genius of cloud computing. You don't need to do that anymore. You can just write your application once and run it on Amazon's cloud, and Amazon can scale up, scale down, depending on your, your needs in terms of usage. So while the shift to services a couple decades ago might have been really brilliant when it came to boosting profit margins, the problem is that you now have a group of people who are built around serving corporate customers that simply don't need you anymore. Yes, exactly. And they totally missed the shift. Now, they will tell you, and I think they did tell you, that, wait a second, that's why we're buying Red Hat. We just spent $34 billion, and it was worth it because this deal is going to change everything we do and bring us into the cloud. You were skeptical of that. Tell us a little bit more about why. So I did more digging into that. I mean, if you look at it, more than half of Red Hat's revenue is from their Red Hat Enterprise Linux product, and more than 50% of the sales aren't really cloud-related at all. They're based on on-premise server operating systems. So given that Red Hat really is just a kind of old-school software provider, where did IBM get this idea that they were buying a major cloud company? So there is this tiny little bit of Red Hat that's actually pretty neat, and a lot of the industry people say is actual pretty good technology. It's this thing called OpenShift, which is an application development tool for the cloud where you can build an app inside this development environment and kind of scale it across either your on-premise private cloud and multiple public cloud vendors like AWS and Microsoft Azure. And how much money did that product make? Um, Bernstein estimates it's about a run rate of $250 million a year, which is crazy if you're going to pay $34 billion for this tiny little neat application that is actually cloud-related. Amazon has inserted itself into every business, and IBM's is really no different. AWS has driven the cloud, and it's really hurt IBM. So is this acquisition going to change anything for IBM? Is it going to allow them to push back against Amazon, or is it somehow recognition of where we are in this Amazon-led world? I don't think this Red Hat acquisition is going to let IBM compete with Amazon Web Services that much going forward. Um, if you look at their actual capital expenditures year over year, they're a fraction of what Amazon Web Services does. And if you can't invest in all the servers and features that clients need, you can't really compete. So IBM's pretty much dead in the water in the general cloud computing market. What Red Hat enables them to do is this open shift container kind of application development tool, but it seems like a pretty peripheral feature or tool, and it won't let IBM kind of really monetize and really get into the value change of the cloud computing shift. So like so much else, IBM is now just playing inside Amazon's world. Yes. I mean, they're building on top of Microsoft Azure and Amazon, and if Microsoft and Amazon decide to kind of shut them out, they really don't have any kind of recourse. Thanks, Tay. I know I'm going to be watching how this plays out for IBM in the coming months. You're welcome. And I want to switch gears for a second as well, because we talked about how well Apple has done versus IBM in recent years. But Apple's actually had a rough few days. The stock fell after earnings, and it's opened the week down again on a new media report that the company may be cutting back on production for its brand new iPhone XR. So that's a big deal. And Investors are scared. 
So tell us a little bit more about that. So Apple stock was down, I think, uh, six six to seven percent on Friday, the day after it reported actually solid earnings results. What happened was they gave guidance for the December quarter, which was a, a little below at the midpoint street expectations. But another thing that happened is that they told analysts on their investor call that they're not going to reveal unit sales for their iPhone computers going forward, which really spooked investors and analysts as a signal that iPhone unit sales would get worse in the coming quarters. Right. You don't take information away from people usually if you're feeling really confident about what those numbers say, right? That's right. So then a few days later, we have this report that perhaps Apple is cutting back on production of its iPhone, of its latest iPhone. The irony, of course, is we now will never get confirmation of that since they're not going to tell us how many they sold. But it almost feels like two parts of the same story. Yes. This Nikkei report says the main Apple kind of assembler manufacturer, Foxconn, is lowering its uh, kind of production levels by 20 to 25 percent. And of course, the 10R was supposed to be the ultimate savior for Apple. It's the cheaper $750 iPhone with almost all of the new technology, save for maybe the fanciest screen. So if, if in fact, demand isn't as high for this cheaper phone, what does that say about overall excitement about iPhone and perhaps Apple's coming year? So the XR or the 10R, as you say, uh, was the main kind of differentiating product this year. All the analysts and uh, reviewers were excited about it. Their higher end uh, iPhone X's or iPhone 10s are more of a <laughs> XS, 10s, success, whatever you want to call it. More of an iterative upgrade to last year's version. So the, every, all the marbles were on the XR this year, and if, if this model disappoints, uh, it's probably a big problem for Apple over next year, and especially in the coming quarter, which of course is the holiday time, right? Yes, and. I think what this report says is Apple and its partners were expecting a big holiday quarter for the XR, and they were kind of expecting a large uh, production for this model. And it looks like, if this report is true, it's falling short of what they expected. Thanks, Tay. All right. Thank you. It was great to be here. You can read Tay Kim's full story on IBM in this week's edition of Barron's, and as always on Barron's.com. I'm Alex Yule. The show is produced by Meta Litzoff. And if you're listening on iTunes, please take a moment to give us a review. We'd love to hear what you think. The Readback will be back next Wednesday. <laughs>